This is The Junk Project, a podcast about the mental, emotional, and physical junk that we carry in our business and life, along with practical ways to get rid of it. And now, here's your host, Michelle Hill. Hey, welcome to The Junk Project. I'm your host, Michelle Hill, and today we are going to get straight to the point and talk with Jamie Hyde. How are you doing, Jamie? Awesome, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that was a quick intro. I kind of learned that from Kyle Slaymaker. Just get to the point. <laughs> there you go. How's everything going for you? It's going. It's going awesome. Thanks. I appreciate it. We got this uh, hurricane Ian out there in the Gulf. That's probably going to hit Florida here in a day or so. So we got to start getting a few things together. Well, we won't get the bad side of it, but we'll get some flooding and things like that. And some winds possibly up to 60 miles an hour. So I got to do some preparing for that. Well, that, that's just crazy. Uh, that's why I live like all the way away from the water. <laughs> so, that's like one thing I just don't want to deal with <laughs> any more than I have. To. Yeah. <laughs> so You guys got tornadoes. So we, we actually, that's actually the big worry about this is because we're on the, so far on the outer edges is the turn tornadoes that are going to, spawn off of this thing that are, that's yeah. those are the ones you get i'd rather deal with the hurricane at least you got noticed the tornadoes you don't have any notice so yeah not much uh um i don't even want to comment on the tornado right now so <laughs> right yeah right. I, I think we all in all areas of the states we all have our um uh, you know what do you call it uh bad things that happen so uh yeah, I'm good. Um, All right. Share with us what you do and how you help people. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a I'm a one-on-one uh, mindset coach primarily and uh, organic marketing second. So um, it's funny I say that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Got a little sinus thing going on. Uh, I say that, but we always lead with the organic, right? Because people uh, people come in and you know, what's a mindset coach? What are you going to do? You know, people can be a little standoffish. They don't really (laughs) understand. So when you lead with the organic marketing and you start helping them try to build their business, all of a sudden these things come up that they can't move forward and they don't know why they can't move forward. And then that's where the mindset stuff comes in. So you could give somebody a a big program and a bunch of videos to watch. uh, And you can say, well, if, uh, uh, if you get stuck, call me. But if you call and the only help you get is remember who you are and do the work, well, that doesn't do much, right? You, you got to get into the brain and you got to figure out what's actually stopping you. And and uh, you and I have talked before and uh, 99% of it is usually something from childhood. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say, sometimes uh, I think we get in our own way of being successful, you know, um, which is ironic because we're, I think we're in generally thinking, hey, I'm going to start this business. I'm going to do great. I'm going to market. I'm going to do this and that. And then we start, like you said, hitting uh, road bumps and you're like, wait, what just happened? Everything seemed to be like going great. And then you start realizing, um, well, I'm doing something. It, it's got to be me. So uh, you look at these other people who are successful doing the same type of stuff. So it, you got to start looking inward and, and going, what am I doing and why am I doing it exactly? You know, people don't realize is although we can block out memories, the uh, the body always stores the trauma. 
and and the stuff that stops us and and uh you know you hear the craziest stuff of course but uh but it's not that anybody's crazy it's stuff we've suffered through that we weren't taught how to process it uh primarily because our our parents didn't know how to process it and their parents didn't know how to process it and you can chase chase that all the way back to adam and eve probably Mm -hmm. so you know broken people raise broken people is one of my favorite sayings and it goes on and on and on forever unfortunately until you become aware of it and then you take the steps to get healed up so then you could go back and heal your children and then for folks like you and i our only shot now is to go help heal our uh you know talk to our kids about it so Mm -hmm. we can affect our grandchildren at this point um, but for folks in their 20s or 30s, if they can get a hold of it before their kids get too old, they can raise their kids properly and, and remove that trauma out of their life. And not that anything will ever be perfect. And I'm not saying that, but you can at least minimize the damage. Well, and I think the first thing that is hard for people to maybe recognize is for them to even realize that they're doing anything wrong or there is a problem. You know, if you are raised to not clean your house, you know, then, then as you get older, your house is not going to be clean because you don't know any difference. So to you, you don't think anything's wrong, but your guests, when they come in are like, uh, no, this is disgusting. I don't want to be here. You know? So I think it, it goes to where people have to even recognize that there is a problem to fix it. And that's probably the hard part. Yeah, for sure. And even as a consultant or coach or whatever, I, I get all kinds of labels these days, which I find kind of comical. Uh, um, like I, I've been called a life coach a lot lately, and I'm like, no, I am not a life coach. <laughs> like I, I work with business owners and and primarily and things like that. Um, but uh, we still need help. We still need coaches, right? One of yeah. my coaches said to me. Uh, we're having just an honest conversation and I asked him where he was stuck and he's like, Oh, I'm stuck here. And I'm like, but you're teaching me. And he's like, yeah, I can teach it. I can't do it either for myself. Right. <laughs> so you always need that person to hold you yeah. accountable. I coach yeah. other coaches as well. And it's yeah. the same thing. Very few people, the person that can get up and, and uh, hammered out every single day and, and not let it affect their family and raise a, a functional family and uh, be the, best person they could be and not overeat not do drugs and not do alcohol and and, you know so on so forth try to be that perfect person is you know it's impossible i always say there's only one perfect man that ever walked this earth they put him on a cross for it so um it's just it's it's just to do the best you can but become aware you know for years i've been saying think about what you think about i don't know where i heard it i'm sure somebody famous before me said it or something but (laughs) I picked it up somewhere along the years of coaching and training with other people, you know, think about what you think about. To me, what that means is you have a thought comes in your head and instead of acting on it or acting impulsively, let's just take like three seconds and just, where did that thought come from? What caused it? And now what can I do with it? Right. Um, And just that momentarily, instead of reaction, if you can get control of that, then you can start mastering your mind um, and then go from there. Man, that's that's really a great point, especially. Well, I have like disparatic thoughts, so I'll be talking to my husband about one subject and, uh, you know, the next minute I'm like, squirrel, let's talk about squirrels. So, you know, he's like, wait, what? what? We weren't done with the first conversation. I'm like, well, OK, I was. So, you know, I, I'm working on that. And I know it's not exactly what you're saying, 
but we do have these thoughts and and um what i do for instance is um if, if i if i handled something so let's say i'm driving on the road and um i got mad about something i will def i i literally analyze hey how could i have handled the situation better because that driver's mad i'm mad i don't want to be mad i don't want them to be mad i don't want to you know i don't want anybody to have a crappy day because of my attitude and so i'll self-analyze and go well i could have uh you know backed off or not drove so fast or or whatever so you know and then for the next time I know this is how I'm going to solve my problems. This is what I'm going to do next time because I don't like, I, I don't like leaving people angry, even though I don't know them. I also don't know what's going on in their life and I don't want to be a part of the problem. I want to be part of the solution in general, you know? So I think that's a great uh, way to look at things is, you know, why am I thinking this? What can I do to fix it? Um, who can I talk to? Can I reach out? You know, how do I find these coaches? You know, things like that. I'm, I don't think a lot of people even think that they should have a, a personal coach like yourself, but it's not a personal coach that you are. It's, uh, and you're not a life coach because that's what's stuck in my head now. So what is it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, primarily business owners, okay. right? That's who I like to work with, business owners. My my, my clients are typically business owners. Uh, I used to say typically males. I'm I'm got I've been attracting more and more female clients now recently. Um, primarily males though. Uh, ages thirty to forty five uh, is the range. Um, I've had sixty one year old coach uh, folks I've worked with and twenty seven year olds. Um, and then I've really narrowed that down close to like thirty three to thirty eight. It's kind of like the closest uh business owner uh crappy childhood maybe not a great relationship with dad uh usually most of my clients have had some kind of addiction in their past of something or another as i have and um <clears throat> you know open to uh a relationship with or at least don't mind if i talk about god or spirituality or along along that lines um because that's where a lot of my strength comes from and that's a lot of what helped heal me uh, was getting back in church back in 2015 uh, with my with my wife's assistance, and I finally hired I hired my first uh, oh my first my second business coach, <laughs> true business coach. First one was more like a life coach. Uh, he's the one that sent me back to church, and it uh, it changed my life. And after my wife uh, <clears throat> begging me for three years to go back and me refusing, uh, he he just told me after dinner I need to go back to church, and uh, one night and uh, I said okay. And uh, my wife said, why have I been been asking you for three years and you've been saying, no, you're not going. And this guy tells you one dinner, one dinner to go to <laughs> church and you're going. And so me being my typical smart ass self, I said, well, I paid him $2,500 to tell me that. So <laughs> uh, church and from there, my life just started. Uh, uh, it got much worse in the beginning, but then it started getting better eventually after about yeah. three years. Uh, people think going back to church is the end all and I'm going to walk in and everything's going to be perfect. And uh, that's not exactly the way it works, but you got to get cleansed of the bad stuff and the old stuff before, um, you know, as I like to say, you know, God can fill you up with the good stuff. Yeah. So yeah. Better process I, for sure. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I think, uh, I, I think, I think life itself is a process, you know, it's um, 
I've I've noticed as I get older, I'm like, okay, uh, I I don't regret time wasted. You know, I I did what I did. You know, for whatever reason during that time. And I'm not looking at, oh, God, I got to get all this stuff done now because I might die in a week. I, you know, I don't know when I'm going to go. But I do look at things differently. And um, it, and it's funny because when you said that about your wife and, and your life coach, um, I, I quit saying anything to my family because I was like, I would say, oh, check this out. I have this idea. And they're like, oh, yeah, I told you that like six months ago. So then I felt like bad, you know, really bad. It's not that I didn't hear it, um, but it didn't register, right? So sometimes it takes somebody outside of the family to get your attention. And it's, you know, I, I've noticed with family members, I'm like, I know what you're going to say before you say it. My mom and my husband think a lot alike that if I ask one one question, they will both answer the same way separately, right? So I don't even ask them the questions anymore because I know how they're going to answer. So that's the problem with getting your, you know, with knowing your family, you know how they're going to answer. But when you talk to somebody completely different like yourself, then you're going to get different answers because I don't know exactly what you're going to say yet. I don't know you as well as I know my family. So I think that opens the door to get more help and to change things. Whereas I won't do that with my family. Does that make sense? Yeah, because, you know, there's an old saying, you can't be a prophet in your own town, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so that's why I talk about things like real estate agents or multi-level marketing folks are taught to sell to your sphere of influence, meaning, you know, your closest friends, your family, you know, they think you have this, that's an old outdated that probably never worked anyway uh you know but if you get your ideal perfect client down and then you satisfy that person well then you can get to their sphere of influence because you can be anybody you want to be or project to be i mean obviously you want to be authentic and full of integrity and stuff but i believe what happens is as your family knows you pooped your pants in kindergarten how could you ever be a successful real estate agent, right? So it's like, it's in the back of their mind. They know all your mistakes. They know all your sins. They know all your, you know, all the dumb stuff you did. So mm -hmm. even though they don't say it and logically they know you could do the job, but in the back of their mind, the subconscious parts running like, yeah, I remember that stupid stuff you did when you were 16. I'm not trusting you with a half million dollar home, right? Yeah. So they go get yeah. a stranger and then the real estate agent, I'm just using them as an example. They get offended. I can't believe my cousin didn't use me. They use them and they know I got to eat too. And you know, like you gotta mm -hmm. understand it's hard. Like, listen, I've tried to, I've been uh, doing this coaching thing for, you know, coming on two years as a full-time profession now. Um, but I was, I've been helping people my whole life. And while I was trying to build this and put it together and figure out what my true calling was in it, you know, I was out here for the previous two years before that helping people, you know, and uh, even like some of my best friends, like one of my best friends for 20 plus years now, you know, he, he's kind of lost a little bit and I've offered to help several times. And, and I said, I, I will coach you, but here's the thing. You will do everything I tell you to do and you will work hard at it or I will never speak to you again. And he never brought it up since because <laughs> yeah. he doesn't, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want me to push those buttons. He doesn't want to get in that uncomfortable <clears throat> position, but here's the thing. I've tried to help him at least a half dozen times throughout the years of different things and he never listens. So I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to keep 
you know, a waste of my time, basically. Yeah. Um, I, I got too many people to help, too many people that want the help, too many people that are paying for the help um, to uh, to spend a lot of time with someone that, you know, they don't make them a bad person. Just everybody's ready to hear it when they're ready to hear it. You know, we got kind of a funny story in our family. And my wife and I refer back to when we were first together. We were riding and <clears throat> racing dirt bikes in our in our 20s. And we had a bunch of couples uh, we hung out with that also had dirt bikes and we'd all get together and we'd go to the racetrack on the weekends, but then maybe Friday or Sunday, we'd go free ride in some open field somewhere. And, you know, and, and one afternoon we went with a buddy, uh, a, another couple we were friends with and this big open field. And, and I start working with his, uh, his girlfriend on her bike and he starts working with my wife on her bike on, on, on kind of like opposite ends, you yeah. know, the field yeah. a little bit. And then she runs over to me. My wife goes, oh, she goes, oh, my God, honey, you should see how fast I'm going through that corner. Charlie's got me, got my leg out, got my elbow up. I'm th- I'm feathering the clutch. I'm doing all this stuff. My eyes are in the right direction. I can't believe how much faster I got in that 20 minutes of working with Charlie. You know, I just looked at her. I'm like, oh, all that stuff I've been trying to teach you for the last year and a half. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. so it's still a running joke uh, 28 years later with her and I uh, that, uh, yeah, that one time I I was trying to teach her all this stuff for a year and a half, but my buddy works left for 20 minutes and she's a better rider right now because of it. So yeah, that whole, you can't be a prophet in your own town stuff is real. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, when, when my business gets slow, um, I, I get told a lot, I need to go get another job. And I'm like, mm, no, I, I've been told that since I've started my business by family and they're supportive. Um, and they help me a lot with the business. I, I, I don't understand why they think I'm going to go somewhere else. Uh, I'm just not, I'm not fit for anything. Uh, I, I cannot have a job longer than three years and I've had my business for eight. So that tells me something, Uh, but I've never held a job longer than three years. And apparently uh, if you don't pay me, and I take care of uh, my late husband, like his, he was disabled and my mother-in-law, she was disabled and I raised her son. I did that for 10 years and made no money. So apparently I'm more loyal to you if uh, you don't pay me at all. So I guess, I don't know. I don't know how that works, but that just cracks me up. <laughs> I don't, I, I'm doing the hardest job of my life. I give up everything and I have no regrets. But I, it's 24-7 between the, the three of them. And, you know, I couldn't work or, or do anything like that. And we were on welfare. And I did that for 10 years till he passed away. But I can't hold the job longer than three years. So I'm like, I, I don't understand this concept. But, hey, what? I don't know. So, uh, and I've had my business for eight. I love what I do. Um, I have some uh, things I'm looking at working on. But. Sometimes I kind of like the slow times. I don't know if that's a good thing to say. I don't know. No, it's it's cool to have down times, right? I don't know about you. I'm not a grind culture kind of guy. Um, I think life, I know you're not quite my age. You're, you're at least a good 10 years plus behind me, but um, life after 50 looks different, right? It really does. And I hate saying that because it makes me sound like an old man. <laughs> and, uh, and I didn't listen to my parents when they said, I'm like, oh, you're crazy, whatever. But yeah, it, it really does. Um, and when you and I, we hang out with a lot of younger people that are hustlers and grinders and get up at 4am and okay, good luck. Have fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not, that's, that's not me. Right. Um, yeah. 
look, people get wealthy, sleep until 10 and work until 10, right? People get wealthy getting up at four. People get wealthy if they're skinny. People get wealthy if they're fat. People get wealthy if they're black, white, tan, it don't matter, brown, right? Whatever. Yeah. Uh, people get wealthy if they're, you know, married or single. Like there's all kinds of ways to build a business. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's finding thing that works for you, staying in your groove, staying consistent, not quitting, being a good person, doing the right thing, following up with people. I mean, it's all very basically simple to do. Right? Mm-hmm. I didn't say it was easy. I didn't right. say it was easy, but it's basic, simple, simple stuff. Um, now, I've talked to you. Mm, we got to be going on probably at least 10 times now in the last yeah. few years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you usually bring that story up about taking care of your husband and your mother-in-law. And that's, that's an essential part of your identity. Now, usually identities are rooted in childhood, but you were, you were, uh, much, you know, you were a younger lady then, um, at that time. So that's become a rooted part of your identity. Um, and one, maybe one of these days, I don't know if I want to do it on your podcast, but <laughs> one of these days you'll allow me the honor of, um, getting into that identity with you and helping you move past that story yeah. and just hold on to the good parts, which is you got your son out of it. And, yeah, and, well, man, from what I understand, so. Well, you know, I I had a very dysfunctional family and I used, oddly enough, I, I used what I learned from my late husband. He was 20 years older than I was. And uh, so I used that actually to help me after he passed away, right? Uh, because I really didn't learn much from my dad. My dad wasn't around. Um, so if I dated, you know, or anything, I reverted like to what I learned from him, which is weird, but that's, um, where I learned the majority of how I am today there. I mean, I learned from my parents, but I I mainly learned from them how I don't want to be. And I mean, I, I talk to both of them. Nobody talks to anybody. I'm the only one that talks to anybody in the family. Um, it's very dysfunctional. And and I believe in forgiveness and, and things like that. And I definitely understand uh, my mom uh, not wanting to do anything with him. I have no problem with that. But, um, but anyway, I, I just learned a lot of um, essential things from my, my first husband. And I've used that as a foundation for my life now. And so that's probably, to me, that's why I bring it up a lot. Um, there was some crappy things that happened during the marriage. I mean, it wasn't a great marriage, but I mean, it wasn't perfect, but it wasn't bad either. Uh, it was very frustrating, extremely frustrating. I'm sure on both ends. He had an IQ of 168. So I used to mess with him all the time. And I said, you know, God is punishing you. And he's like, why is that? And I said, because my IQ is like nowhere near there. So, you know, I can't help you. Um, but it was it was definitely entertaining most of the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> Always something. Right. So, um what is the difference between a business coach and a life coach and like what other coaches are there? And what is the difference between those? Well, so you got, you got coaches that are, you know, you got marketing coaches, life coaches, business coaches, 
digital marketing, uh, and then you know you can get on to all kinds of different kinds of therapy and psychotherapy and psychiatrists and psychologists, and you know, <laughs> yeah, it can go on and on and on and on and on, and it's it's funny um, because yesterday our pastor in church actually talked about the need to hire life coaches and and the need to hire business coaches and things like that. Though you know, from a in his point from the stage in church was from a biblical standpoint for those that bring the word of God and help lead others back to Christ and all that. That was obviously his message. Um, I have the benefit of um, we volunteer for service. My wife is in children's and I greet the doors and then I help collect tithe. And then I go sit in the coffee shop. And then when my wife gets out of uh, children's, then we go sit through the second service because I'm in the coffee shop. They have it on the screens in the, or the, you know, the lounge area in the church there. So I get to hear bits and parts of the service twice. And, uh, and as soon as we sat down for second service, I looked at my wife. I said, he wrote today's sermon just for me because he mentioned <laughs> life coaches and business coaches and things like that. And he's actually a really good guy. And he knows what I do. He knows my story. I don't think he wrote it just for me, but it was just right. kind of gentle and funny, you know. Uh, so the question was uh, kind of what's the difference, right? Um, well, I can't really speak. So I, when you when you, when you you hear the term life coach, I was actually working with somebody that was a life coach for first responders. Um, but they call me Mr. Clarity. They don't call me Mr. Coach, as you know. And I helped her see the clarity and that she didn't really want to be doing what she wanted, what she thought she'd been wanting to do. And it actually been chasing us since 2016. So after uh, six or seven weeks of work with me, she set that whole coaching thing down and she's going back to focus on what her real calling in life is. It's not everybody, you know, let me, let me say it this way. People think they, uh, people think they should become coaches or consultants. Um, and it comes really out of a need to help people. And that really comes out of the, usually it comes out of the fact that they went through some stuff as children and, um, or younger, and they don't feel like somebody was there to help them. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's their way of getting that, that love fulfilled and trying to fill that hole inside of them because it didn't happen. You know, they didn't get their, their, their needs met as a child or as a younger right. person. Right. And, and when you realize that, and it's cool. I mean, that's okay. Motivation. I have a problem with that. Obviously that was part of my motivation. That's why I was a police officer at 22 years old. Also, I wanted to again, quote, help people unquote. Right. Um, I didn't know then that's why, um, but you right. go through kit stuff as a kid and you want to get that, that hole filled. So in her case, you know, she was working with first responders for a better marriage, getting in shape. Um, and then if they wanted to stay in their profession, she was helping them advance or get out. If they mm -hmm. wanted to get out and give them, uh, teach them different ways of building businesses or whatever. Uh, you and I know, I will mention the name because I don't think that's fair, but you and I know somebody who um, would fall more in the realm of a life coach. It's pretty well known. Um, and she helps uh, with everything, with life, with business, with everything. And her whole thing is just to make things kind of easy, right? Just get mm -hmm. in the flow, stay in the flow and move through and wonder, wonderful coach, love her to death, really do lots of respect for her. And, uh, and uh, then there's mindset coaches. Uh, and again, we know somebody um, that does that, right? And he only does mindset and he only mm -hmm. works with that. What I saw was the gap with the mindset and the organic marketing. Now, I don't yeah. do digital marketing simply because nobody in the world, I don't care how good they are, they can't guarantee results on digital marketing. Nobody can. They could predict results based off their experience with certain niches and certain markets, sure. 
but to guarantee it, and I won't do anything I can't um, put my name, you know, to and and give you a hundred percent refund if you're not happy. Yeah. Uh, and in digital marketing, you can't because you have a certain amount of expenses. Where in this, primarily just have my time, right? So if I had to give somebody their money's back, and and that hasn't happened yet, but if someone wasn't satisfied and and like I said, going on two years and 23 some odd clients later, 24 clients, maybe um, no one's asked for their, their money back. So apparently, <laughs> apparently I'm delivering, right? There you go. Uh, yeah. That seems to be the general consensus anyway. Um, you know, you're doing things right when you can put all your clients in one group and everybody accepts the invite to the group and nobody leaves it. So yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I guess so far everybody's happy, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but um, yeah, I don't, you know, it, it's, it's a difficult question to pinpoint because I everybody has their own little nuance. I That's just know true. what I do. And again, it comes out of, hey, I want to do this. And we do get into some life stuff. You know, we get into, hey, I want to get up earlier and I don't know why I can't. Or I want to go to the gym more and I don't know why I can't or whatever. I can't get over that. And, and that whole, you know, Nike kind of did a big disservice to the world with the just do it slogan. Because mm -hmm. it, is, it isn't that easy. And a lot of times we trace it to an eight-year-old, a four-year-old. So um, your son is is growing now, right? He's like 20, 22 years old, something like that. Oh, older. He's 30. Okay. Okay. I didn't realize. Okay. I thought he was a little younger now. Okay. So your son's 30. But when he was, let's just use this as an example. So I'm not talking in circles here. Um, when your son <laughs> was three, four, six, eight years old, I'm going to ask you a completely rhetorical and ridiculous question. I understand. Mm -hmm. So was your son financially successful at a young age? No. Did you shame him? because he was not no right nobody does right we don't go right. to a five-year-old and go you're a failure because you're not a millionaire right yeah. right right but we all have those three four five eight twelve year olds in us that we shame every day because we're not where we think we should be yeah right and yeah. so when we're being oh i should be here i'm this age how come i don't have the lamborghini how come i don't have the private jet how come i don't right whatever and it's typically always because there's a three-year-old, a four-year-old, a five-year-old in us. They need to get their needs met. Yeah. Their, their needs met. Did I say that correctly? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I have hearing loss in my one ear, so sometimes I don't hear hear myself speak correctly. Um, so if you don't get your needs met, you know, you you can't, that, that, that identity, we call them, gets stuck at that age. And so it's not a 30-year-old, a 40-year-old, or a 50-year-old that can't do it. It's an eight-year-old that can't do it which we would not expect an eight-year-old to know how to do it. Right. I can't, right. I can't post, you know, we're taught to post on social media every day to build our business organically, right? You and I are the same group, right? So same networking group. So we're taught to post every day. And then I get clients, a lot of clients, just a big sticky point. I don't know what to post. Well, if you think about it from an adult perspective, you're in a group of 1,800 people that pretty much post every day. All you got to do is just look around what everybody else is doing and just make it your own. It's really not that hard. Right. But if you have an identity that's eight, well, an eight-year-old's not going to be able to put that together or a five-year-old, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're 35, pretty much be able to put two and two together. So we just got to identify what did that eight-year-old or five-year-old go through that's keeping them, that identity inside you that's stuck at that age. And then we have a process we use where we help that identity grow up to be that 35-year-old. And then all of a sudden you feel that flow in your body and there's no more blockage and you can move forward. We don't care anything. We don't say nothing. We don't say yeah. anything trauma, nothing like that. But the brain literally doesn't know the difference between what happened or what you tell it to happen. So just change it and make it in a more of a positive light and use that. And my last saying that life happens mm -hmm. for you and not to you. Yep. And it was literally meant for your benefit to grow from. Yep. Well, uh, like 
my childhood stopped at five and my family says I act like I'm 12. So I'm good with 12. But my, my joke is, uh, I did not get a childhood. So I'm reliving it now, you know, um, and I'm not told no. So I really kind of like it now. Right. That's just my joke. But, um, in many ways, uh, I think like a kid so much so that my husband continuously, continuously messes with me. And he's like, do you just sit around and, and, and sing the circus song in your head? You know, I'm like, "Uh, no, (laughs) not every day, maybe. Okay. Maybe every day, but not like all day. But my outlook on things is, is very different. And so I've learned to really not compare myself to someone who's younger, who is more successful than I am, because they may have had um, more support in an upbringing or, you know, taught a little bit more about business than I was. Uh, I've never been taught business. Uh, I'm winging it, actually. Uh, I'm learning as I go along. I have no clue what I'm doing. I have no clue how to go any further. And and I don't mind that. I am where I am. And it's it, it it's a challenge. And, you know, um, it gives me something to work towards every day. I'll be content when I finally go, damn, I finally got up over the hill. Yay, what's the next part? You know, I feel like I've been climbing this hill for 50 years now. And so it's, uh, it's, um, it's, it's different, you know, it's a challenge. It's always a challenge. And so, uh, and then on top of that, you know, you got to, uh, ignore people who are like, um, you know, you need to go get a job or you need to go do this, or, you know, you're, you're not doing it good enough or, you know what, my, my customers speak for themselves. So I don't have a lot of new customers. But I definitely have a lot of repeat and referrals. And of course, as far as that goes, it doesn't help that my website's been down a year either. So it's about to uh, go up in the next week or two, finally. But, um, you know, it's it's just a challenge for me every day. But I've learned to not compare myself to to others, that my road has been different. I, I don't know what God has planned for me. Um, every day is an adventure with him. And that's how I look at my days. And, you know, when I shattered my ankle in 2016, I had to shut my business down for six months because I didn't have a crew. And literally the next day I read a devotion. I don't go to church, um, but I read a devotion and, and it basically said, do I, you know, do I not take care of the birds? Do I not take care of you. I have the day planned out for you. I know what you're going to be doing this day. And I'm like, dude, could you not have given me a heads up that I was going to break my ankle? You know, that'd have been, that'd have been kind of cool. So that was my joke, you know? Um, but basically he says in there, I know what's going to happen to you. Let me take care of you. Right. That's how I perceived it. And I'm like, it's yours. You know what? Um, I give it to you. It's not like, um, I, I mean, I've been fighting with God off and on, not like I'm mad at you, but over control. And I'm going to promise you this, uh, he'll wear your ass out. You do not have the, uh, stamina that he does. 
And, you know, my joke is that apparently I don't listen to him very well. So I get smacked in the back of the head. And that's where my migraines come from. Because he's like, I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking, I'm talking, and you're not listening. Bam. I get a migraine. and I'm like, got my attention now. I'm listening. So, you know, he does what he has to do to get your attention. And um, I figure I'm not going to plan my day out. He knows what I'm going to do and not do. And so I don't even feel like, um, I don't think, you know, I forgot what I was going to say. But anyway, it's been definitely entertaining. And I I love God with all my heart. So I just find it funny. And I'm like, you know, he and I are going to have some conversations when I, when I get there, because I'm like, you think you're really funny, but you're snot, you know, haha. But, um, I just, I just love, love messing with that's my conversations every day with him. <laughs> so we always say we don't, when God tries to send you a message and you don't listen, he throws a rock, right? <laughs> he sent, he sent, he literally sent a tow truck to the side of my car to get me to pay attention one time. <laughs> literally. So, uh, uh, I, back when I had, uh, I had my auto broker business, that's actually how I joined apex, uh, over four years ago. Uh, the three years prior to that, four years prior to that, um, I was driving Uber and um, I was doing auto broker and I was representing people buying cars, um, but I couldn't quite get it going. I didn't understand the concept of getting more known, which is now all, you know, one of the major things I preach is yeah. if we do business with people we know, like, and trust. And if I say, which one of those words is the most important, everybody says trust. But the point is, is if you don't get known, they can't like or trust you. So get known first is really the most important word of the three, in my opinion, um, and, and friends of mine, you say to me, man, you got a wonderful service, but nobody knows who the hell you are, right? So we were driving Uber, I was driving Uber to help pay the bills and keep food on the table for about three years. And my wife was telling me, stop driving Uber. It doesn't make sense. We're not, we're not making enough money uh, for the wear and tear on the vehicles and stuff. And then my accountant was telling me every year we'd go do my taxes and every year he'd say, you got to start driving Uber. You're not making money. And, and I was hard headed, as, as you may know. And um, I was like, well, listen, I know this. I go drive Uber. The money comes in, the bills get paid. That's what I know, right? So you can tell me to stop, but if I stop, the money stops coming in, stops coming in. And uh, this was an argument that was going on for a long time. And um, we found out I had epilepsy. Um, I rear-ended a lady in May. And then in July, um, I'm sitting at a red light and I sat there with two witnesses. I sat there for 45 seconds and then I punched the gas and went and don't remember doing it. And I got T-boned by a flatbed wrecker with two cars aboard at 45 miles an hour. I got Mm. shoved down the street, pushed up on a median, tackled up the uh, CRV I was driving, blew the uh, sunroof into the air, broke the axle. I mean, it messed the car up real bad. And I came out of it um, really sore and beat up, but nothing broken, no serious damage. Um, And literally, it's one of those you lift the airbag, and I'm looking at the words, Kenworth imprinted on the grill of the truck that's just ceiling height, roof height in the CRV I'm driving, right? And um, and then I go to the ER, of course, they transport me and everything's good, thank God. But I'm laying there and I'm freaking out immediately because I'm like, how are we going to pay our bills? How am I, you know, that's all I'm thinking about is paying our bills and keeping the money coming in. And, and I won't be able to drive Uber again for a little while. And, and my wife, in all her wisdom, and she's a lot wiser than a lot of times I gave her credit for in almost 31 years together now, but I'm growing up, I'm learning. And she just said, listen, God just told you, sit your ass down and build your business. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, okay. And that was it. I never drove Uber a day after that. I was done. And so I was holding on to this thing because I was chasing money and not trusting God. And, you know, we never, we never missed a meal. We've never been homeless. We've always had vehicles to drive. So that's, that's the truth, right? That's what God wanted me to do. He wanted me to quit chasing the money. He wanted me to quit doing it my way. And when he wanted me to sit down and listen to him, even though back then, um, I had only been back in church about three years, but I was still a new Christian. I was still Mm -hmm. trying to learn. I was barely like age five level of Christianity at that point. Um, And I was still learning to trust. And what you said earlier is that's the toughest part. And I I had no idea this conversation was going this way, but (laughs) it went totally different last time. We're going to help somebody. I promise. Um, Hardest part of Christianity is giving up that control to God and just um, and I've been, he's been hitting me with that message a lot lately. Just, just abide in my rest or just rest in my love. And, and I got you and, and I got things planted and I'm over here trying to figure out how to make 400 K a year. And, and God's going, I want to give you more. I mean, I hear that mm-hmm. message. I mm-hmm. give you more. Stop planning for 400 K a year. Just, just sit back and follow me and do what I tell you to do. And, yeah. and he's been hammering that into me lately, but it's, it's hard. It's hard to give up control. It, it is hard to give up control. And, when my when my first husband died um i i didn't have any money uh, we were on welfare his mom had three uh life insurance policies on him because he had problems when he was a kid uh my in-laws kept all the money and they they kicked my son and i out of the house so it, we did not have a good experience when my husband died and my conversation was with god you know after um well, at some point was, look, it's obvious I'm not going to get any money. And, and I was wanting the money for my son, right? I got nothing. And I said, look, God, I will work my ass off. Please just keep me healthy. I will work. Uh, I had seven jobs at one time and because I refused to get back on welfare. I hated it to begin with. I hate it now. I don't want to have anything to do with it. I don't want to be associated with it anything. And so if I needed more money, I would go on Craigslist at the time and go dig up weeds in this lady's yard for 10 bucks an hour. I did whatever I had to do. I had seven jobs. Four of them were home-based businesses, which, you know, obviously if you can't run one well, how are you going to run four? Um, But I did whatever I could. And then the other three were actual part-time jobs that I went to every day. Um, And so that was my promise to God. Just keep me healthy. I will work my ass off. And so, you know, it it is frustrating because I don't know how to not do physical work. Um, I do know how to use my brain and figure things out. But, you know, it reminds me of that movie, I, Robot. You have to ask the right question. So, you know, even if I want to learn something on Google, for instance, I have to figure out what question to ask. And then when I ask it, I go, okay, these are not the answers I'm looking for. How can I reword the question? And you're like, damn, I didn't know I was going to have to learn all this, you know? And so um, it, if you don't know the answer or the question to ask, then that makes it even harder because you don't even know where to begin with, right? You don't even know where to find the information because you don't even know what questions to ask to begin with. But again, that was you know, God has, I mean, don't get me wrong. I've gotten the flu here and there and I get a cold here and there, but in general, 
I'm very healthy. Um, and, and I've been thankful for it, but, uh, my run is, is coming up, you know, I'm getting older. It's getting, it's getting harder. And, uh, I, I really don't want to be doing all this physical work. So I kind of see the detour he's taking me down. Uh, I've learned that it doesn't matter if I can see the end of the road or not. That's not what is important. What's important is I just do what I think he's wanting me to do and let him let him take the reins because um, I'm tired of fighting with him. That's wasted more time than anything. And so I've, I've definitely learned that. And I just don't have time to argue with him anymore. I'm not going to win. That's like arguing with the boss, right? You're, you're never going to win. The boss is always right. So just don't argue. Right. Just do what they ask you to do unless, you know, unless it's something stupid, but um, like jump off a bridge. Duh. Right. <laughs> but um, well, you have all skills. you have all the skills that we're taught. You know, you have the same skills that I have, the same lessons I've learned. You have all the skills you could either, you know, you can build this up and then have employees if that's what you wanted. Or you have the skills to take this into a whole different direction where you could be the broker. You could broker a broker model out there for your business that you may have considered or not. And I'm happy to talk to you in deeper detail about it. But there's a broker model out there for your business where you could literally broker junk removal jobs all over the United States. I was thinking that the other day, actually. Uh, I I don't know what direction I'm going to go in yet. because uh, I can't broker what I don't have. <laughs> so I don't have enough work, but I definitely thought of that. And um, um, so, yeah, there I, I have so many uh, things that I could do with this business. And, and it's kind of frustrating because the ideas are so grandiose that the money is not there to back them up. And that's what drives me nuts is because, oh, this would be a great idea. I would love to do this. Oh, I would love to do this. And then I start getting in trouble again because I'm like, you know, then I get, then I don't stay focused. But staying focused is, you know. I have a, I have a three-step process for you that I'll share with you after the interview and show okay. you how to get started if you want. Yeah, I would love that. I would love that. Absolutely. So um, I, I didn't realize we were we were close to the hour. Um, So I have. Uh, we got started late. We're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt, we did. Uh, some of us are technically challenged and can't figure out how to get the uh, audio to work. So that was me. <laughs> Hopefully it works. <laughs> Hopefully it records this time. <laughs> yeah. If not, we'll do it a third time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll know the end and out of you, Jamie, before long. So, <laughs> but um. Yep. <laughs> it's been awesome. Um, uh, let me ask you a couple of fun questions and then uh, we'll wrap it up. So I got my little okay, my little things here. I don't. I've decided I'm gonna fold them up so I can't pick and choose what I want. At what time of the uh, day? Yeah. At what time of the day do you get your best work done? Uh and you know what? It varies every day. It does. It's crazy. Um, I'm not super disciplined and I'm okay with that. So what I do is I put a calendar out there for folks that want to talk to me or my clients to fill out. 
And then I just check calendar the day before I go to bed and I go, okay, I got this call like today. So I had you at 9 a.m. Eastern. I have a client at 11 Eastern and I have a future client at 1230 Eastern. Sweet. And then, um, then we're going to go board up the patio area of the house in case this hurricane comes this way <laughs> this afternoon. My son's going to come out. Right. So, so then if after that, you know, I assume the hurricane's not going to start hitting a little bit till tomorrow or late tomorrow, in which case then, um, I'll just grab the laptop and I do my most creative work in the living room, with the laptop. And then I do my face-to-face meetings here in the office, um, over the regular computer. Right. So mm-hmm. it varies and it depends on my mood. Um, Probably my behind the scenes stuff I do at night. I like to just go sit in the living room, throw a football game on that I don't really have to pay attention to, and then just grab the laptop and sit in the in the recliner and and do my creative stuff there. And then I got the football game going in the background and can look up, check the score every now and then, or if an exciting play happens, you can kind of catch it out of your eyeball or something. But yeah. probably evening for me. I, I think for me. Well, I, I know, not think. I know my, my time is like around midnight. Uh, I I have to have it absolutely quiet to read, to think. I, I wish I could do it with the TV and stuff on. And sometimes I'll have it on. But then I realize right. I really can't, you know, I mean, I'm not listening to TV. But then I realize it's just kind of jumbled back there. So I like it absolutely quiet. And it's quiet at Nobody wants anything from me yeah. at 12 in the morning. So I like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, it depends on what I'm doing. if I'm reading, of course, yeah. I like it. But if I'm doing sales funnels or being creative or right now I'm doing a develop, I'm doing a sales system for this client. It's coming up here in an hour. You know, we're building the whole sales process and the whole system for his office staff and his sales reps and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that kind of stuff. Um, actually, I, I also, uh, I don't know if I have ADHD. I feel like that's a buzzword that everybody has, mm-hmm. uh, but it's fairly hard for me to sit and focus if it's too quiet. So if I'm yeah. sitting here in the office and I'm working, I'll throw Spotify on in the background because the music distracts that part of my brain that wants to wander. Oh. And then I can, and then I can get creative and, and it keeps me more focused having something on in the background, actually, because other than other, like you look, look a squirrel. Right. Yeah. Hey, oh, yeah. I want to go do this. Yeah. I want to go do that, or, or whatever. So yeah, that's a. I'll have to try the music. So I, I like to watch The Simpsons. Uh, let me tell you, I, I don't watch The Simpsons just to watch The Simpsons. Uh, I've been taking these free improv classes, and the writers. It is what the shows talk about each time, and I'm like, how did they come up with it? This is so clever. And it dumbfounds me and it drives me nuts that I can't think like that yet. I don't know how to think like that. So that I like to listen to The Simpsons sometimes uh, when I'm doing stuff. But it's just such a creative show and where they come up with some of the stuff. And if I had to relate to a cartoon character, it would definitely be Homer Simpson. So there you go. (laughs) So what is your big... Yeah, who would, awesome. what kind of cartoon would you relate to, do you think? My son's, man, I, I don't know. I haven't watched cartoons in a long time. <laughs> you know, I guess I liked, uh, my, well, my son was growing up, um, probably my favorite is since I had to sit through him with SpongeBob. SpongeBob was pretty cool. I yeah. liked SpongeBob for some reason. I don't know. It just kind of always made me laugh. When I was younger, before I was married to my wife and had kids, I, I watched The Simpsons a little bit. Um, but it's never really been a big cartoon guy. Even as a kid, I was more of a sitcom kid than I was a cartoon kid. 
You know, I, I didn't like, I, I don't, I'm probably going to get hate on this, but I, I don't really care for the Bugs Bunny kind of stuff uh, or anything like that, right. you know, but, um, so I, I wasn't a big cartoon person either, but, uh, anyhow, that I realized I would relate completely to Homer Simpson. So, you know, drill and all, you know, so <laughs> it's sad, but true. So, what is your biggest challenge? <laughs> we don't have another hour. Um, <laughs> right now, my biggest personal struggle. So, out of this trauma as kids that we talked about earlier, right? There's mm -hmm. one of five things people typically turn to, right? Alcohol, drugs, uh, pornography, uh, inappropriate sexual relationships, I, you know, I affairs and food and um and food's been a lifelong struggle uh since i've become an adult not as a kid i was a skinny kid actually i graduated graduated high school at 100 uh i, well, I wrestled 145 my senior year wow at, at the same height i am now at 511 i was 145 yeah. so i probably graduated 160 i became a police officer at 22 years old i was 173 so sitting here at just under 300 pounds now um i still reach for food um more than anything um i pretty much quit drinking i did have a beer saturday um that's probably my third alcoholic beverage in five months um just for whatever reason it's not that i've had a problem with drinking i just don't feel like drinking much mm -hmm. um, so i don't drink um pornography's never been my thing uh drugs were never my thing um but food grabbed a hold of me young and, and at least, I mean, I'm aware of it and I know why I do it. And sometimes I'm in control of it. And sometimes I'm not, you know, mm -hmm. uh, a little over a year ago, I did 75 hard and phase one without stopping. So I did 105 straight days. Um, I dropped 40 pounds. I felt great. Wow. Um, then they told me I had a heart issue, which stopped me in phase two and I ended up with a heart valve transplant on December 23rd of last year. But there was a shift in my brain and I even remember it. Well, I can't work out. So I might as well eat what I want. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah, and I did. And, and my wife and I even actually discussed this this weekend. Like, I'm an all in kind of guy from the standpoint of like, I can focus on my health and be really healthy, and that's great. But then I'm not so great at business stuff, right? Yeah. Or I can focus on my business, and then I'm not so great at the health stuff. Yeah. Or I can focus just on my wife, and the relationship could be better than ever. But then it kind of like, I don't really have this ability to put it all together yet and which is why i work with coaches myself and keep digging in and and this idea that you got to be perfect to be a consultant or no you got to be one step ahead of the person you're consulting period end of story you, you know gotta be one step ahead that that's exactly it uh I, i've been looking at being a decluttering coach right and i've seen some of the people who coach and they're they're certified, certified organizers, certified this, certified that. And I said, I, I was telling somebody, I said, yeah, my expertise is experience. So you can have certified or you can have experience. You know, some people want one, some Sorry. people want the other. You want to get controversial? Maybe I'll do a video about this. Let me tell you what I think about the certifications. <laughs> Those certifications are literally somebody thought of one day, let me start a program and say, I'll certify you in it. Yeah. That's what those certifications are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's what they are somebody one day said let me start this and i'll certify you in it and then you'll pay me whatever and you'll go through my little program and you'll get a certification you know yep. Yep. Um, 
it's literally what it is. They're not worth the paper they're written on. Um, yeah. If you've done the study and you're good at it and you give people the value, that's all that really matters. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I, I struggle all the time. Uh, I just went dumpster diving yesterday. Oh, no, 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 no. This morning. So, so it is, it's, a, you know, and I don't, I don't mind doing it. It, Again, I I do compare myself to the alcoholic going to the bar. Um, it's difficult, right? Uh, it's difficult to just not love what I do, but uh, I just have to be careful with it. Um, you know, if I can't do what I want to do with it, get rid of it, donate it, something. And I got to know what my options are so I don't continue to hang on to it and get more units and, you know, cause that problem. But um I, I agree with the certifications a lot. So, but I, yeah. that's what I thought was funny. You can have certified or you can have experience, which you like, you know? Right. So I have one last question and it is, how do you get rid of the trash in your life when it piles up? And I assume you're talking about figuratively. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, whichever. When it, when, it, when it's actually trash that piles up, um, my wife takes care of it. <laughs> she's the one, not me. Uh, matter of fact, she's we're talking about her retiring, and she's like, "Well, when I retire, I want to work with children and elderly people, and and um, you know, like to have her part of the business." She's like, "I don't really want to. I don't really want another job, right?" And I said, "Listen, if you just keep my desk organized, I'd be happy." <laughs> Not for me, keep my because if she takes like vacation and she's home for a few days, mm-hmm. she'll typically organize my desk during that time. And um, I'm like, that's all I really need. Keep keep my yep. desk organized, and that'll be your contribution to the business. And then I'll be thrilled. I appreciate it. Um, you know, honestly, as I get older and I learn, as I get older and I learn, getting rid of the junk is just getting clear on what I want and trying to only focus on what's really important. I like that. That's perfect. We're going to, we're you know, going to. So we hear, oh, read a book a week. Well, why are you going to read 52 books if you're not taking action on it? Mm-hmm. Why? That's garbage. Yeah. I think we got a little freeze up going here, but. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why read a book a week if you're not going to do nothing? I'd rather read four good books a year and do something with them. That's a good point. Put it in action, not just so you can be boastful or your ego feels better because you read a book a week. Yeah. Big deal. Yeah. Right? I, I got to read real slow. I read a few pages, take notes, and then that that's it. Uh, I, if I just read the whole thing, I don't get it, you know. Um, but uh, I, I like that. That's a really good point. Well, it kind of leads us to, and I know this is an add-on and we're way over probably, but I don't care. We're having fun. How else I'm right. Um, yeah. But, you know, people get caught up in doing, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. Like, that's an ego thing. That's mm-hmm. how you feel better about yourself. Mm-hmm. Why don't you just chill and just be, you know, we talk, we hear, oh, you got to go on a date night with your spouse once a week. Right. I can tell you right now that while my wife appreciates date nights, she'd rather just curl up on the couch and watch TV together. Just yeah. being there together and just chilling out. And most people go, well, that's not a whatever. You don't always got to be on the go. You don't always got to be doing. We do. We eat out probably twice a week. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we don't necessarily call them date nights. We're together. It's a date. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Who yeah. cares? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but just 
the phones just being there, just watching a TV show together or discussing it or I'm not all about that. Oh, TV's a waste of time or this or that. Look, if you're doing something with your spouse and you're connecting in that way, then so what? It's still connecting. Yeah. I got to work you know, on my getting wife and I have my all phone. kinds of cool discussions. Yeah. 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 I, I got to so. work on getting off my phone with my husband, but they'll put the TV on and I'll have no interest in watching that. So I get back on my phone and he's like, well, you're on your phone all the time. I'm like, well, we're, we're not watching anything interesting that i'm interested in so i have nothing else to do but get back on the phone so sometimes we go around and around and our our date night has to be uh at lunchtime because i'm in bed about 6 six thirty at night so there is no date night right we go out with the old people right. at lunchtime so my mom go. goes to bed later than i do there you go i said it <laughs> so well, I know you're an early bird for sure. I know we've tried to talk for a year and I'm like, sorry, Michelle, I'm not getting up that early. So good luck. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's all good. Well, I appreciate your time, Jamie. This has been awesome. Uh, hopefully it records this time. But if not, we're down for a third one. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I appreciate it. It's been so fun uh, getting to know you more. And I've been I've enjoyed that. And um, share with our, our listeners how to get in touch with you. Um, the real Jamie Hyde or Mr. Clarity all over social media. So Instagram is Mr. Clarity on Facebook. It's obviously Facebook.com slash the real Jamie, J-M-I-E-H-Y-D-E, the real Jamie Hyde. Everything's open to the public. And my cell phone for text messages is 561-692-3637. There you go. So if you need to get in touch with Jamie, I suggest it. He's uh, an amazing person, amazing coach. And uh, I just love everything that he does. And he's a great listener. <laughs> it must be those cop skills. <laughs> That's a hard one to uh, accomplish as far right? as listening. <laughs> so anyway, thank you all so much for joining us today. And we will talk with you later. Y'all have an awesome day. Thanks so much for tuning in. Be sure to appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get notified as new episodes become available. And remember, it's just junk and you can get rid of it.